Hey everybody, thanks for listening to this episode of My First Sketch. At MyFirstSketch.com, I'm Josh Hyam. Any questions, thoughts, recommendations, feel free to email me at josh at MyFirstSketch.com. I'll get back to you in a timely fashion. Like the podcast on Facebook at Facebook.com slash MyFirstSketch. And it'd be really cool if you rate it five stars and leave a review wherever you get the podcast. This is a double episode week. The Sketch County World's looking forward to Montreal Sketch Fest over the next week or so. It starts Thursday, May 5th. And goes on until the following weekend. You can follow along with Montreal Sketch Fest on Instagram at Montreal Sketch Fest. Today's guest is Jack Crean, currently a member of Cheap Wine based out of Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Cheap Wine is performing at Montreal Sketch Fest's opening night along with Milwaukee, Bring Your Own Juice, Third Husbands, and Dreamboat, Thursday, May 5th, 8 p.m. at Theatre St. Catherine. Tickets are available at MontrealSketchFest.com. Jack's first sketch is called Guy's Night. Jack reads the roles of Will and then Katie on the phone. I read Dave and I'll give you all the action information that you need to know. So let's go to the sketch. Interior, tiny apartment, living room. Dave is sitting on the couch on the phone. The couch is positioned stage left with with spotlights on it only. Okay, yeah, I got it. I'll make sure to pick it up on the way home. Okay, 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 I promise. Dave looks off stage for something. All right, I gotta go now. I gotta go. Will enters with two beers. Love you too, bye. Hey, dude, thanks for having me over. Of course, man. Liz said she was gonna be out of town at a flower party this weekend, so I'm like, hell yeah, boys night in. Hell yeah, boys night in, baby. Cheers to that. Hey, cheers. Your place is mad small, dude. Is this it? Everything the light touches. You know, first apartment. I can tell. Hey, at least it was big enough to fit my uh, couch from college. Will pets the folding chairs they're sitting on. <laughs> I bet Liz was so happy you managed to fit this old piece of shit in here, too. Oh, for sure. Dave's phone rings. He looks at it for a second and ignores it. He's nervous. Hey, didn't you get a new job? That's awesome. Dave is cut off with the phone ringing. He continues to ignore it. Anyway, how's the new job shooting? So you were telling me about the new job. You want to just take that, man? Yeah, all right. Dave answers the phone, lights up on Katie. Hey. <clears throat> What's up? Why are you ignoring my calls? Oh, I, I didn't see them. I, was looking, I wasn't looking at my phone. It was on silent. Whatever. So how's it going? Good. What are you doing? nothing dave why are you acting weird okay cool i'm gonna jump off now I'm, I'm being rude dave looks at will and rolls his eyes he starts to act super cool oh okay i love you all right sounds great see you later dave hangs up lights down on katie who is that uh you know just katie seeing what's up true true yeah we're doing great same dude so sick to be having a guy's night in though we got a shitload of beer to fat pepperoni pizza coming. Dave looks at his phone, inhales. Dave exhales and answers the phone. Lights up on Katie again. <clears throat> hey, what's up? What the fuck was that? What's that? You didn't say I love you back to me and then you just hung up. Oh, yeah, for sure. Dave, tell me what's going on. Yeah, for sure. I'll text you. What the hell are you? All right. Sounds good. See you later. Dave hangs up, lights down on Katie. Sorry about that. 
Katie again? Uh, yeah, man. She was just asking about what groceries she should get or whatever. Uh, that's dope. So is anyone else coming or? Oh, I don't know. I was thinking. Uh... Oh, for fuck's sake. Dave answers the phone, lights up on Katie. Hey, what's up? Stop fucking hanging up on me. I'm actually worried now. Who are you with? Is it a girl? Oh, you know, just chilling. Tell me right now or we're actually done. Oh, thanks, babe. I'm dead serious right now. All right, sounds good. See you later. Dave hangs up, lights down on Katie. Everything good? Yeah, she was just wondering which underwear I need to wash for the meeting tomorrow or whatever. Makes sense. Hey, buddy, you want to grab us another couple beers? You read my mind. Will gets up and heads to the kitchen. Exit stage left. Dave quickly answers the phone. Hey, baby, I'm so sorry for earlier. You know how it is being around the guys? Dave, it's fine. Just shut up. I think I'm in trouble here. I can smell smoke or something coming from the kitchen. Will re-enters with his original beer in hand and two beers in the other. All right, sounds good. See you later. Dave hangs up. Will hands them another beard. They're both double fisting beers now. Dude, you are so whipped. Nah, it's not even like that. Hey, you want to grab us another beer? What? Dave answers. Oh my God, Dave, the house is on fire and I'm completely trapped. I called 911, but I don't think they're going to make it in time. I think this is it, Dave. How could you? (laughs) All right, sounds good. Night, night. Dave hangs up, lights down on Katie. I think that might be the last of it from her. She finally had into bed? Yeah, pretty much. Let's get fucking lit. Amen. And blackout. Are you a fan of sketch comedy like Monty Python, Key and Peel, and Saturday Night Live? Have you ever wondered why their sketches are funny? Or maybe why that certain sketch didn't make you laugh? On the comedy podcast Sketch Nerds, we aim to answer those questions while having fun talking about the history and craft of sketch comedy. Every episode features a guest to help us break down our favorite sketches, as well as those submitted by listeners like you. So come nerd out with us and listen to Sketch Nerds at badmedicinecomedy.com slash sketchnerds. Hey, I'm AJ Schrader, and I believe everyone has a story worth telling. And also that I should potentially profit off of their stories. That's why I started the podcast I Wrote You a Pilot, where each episode I talk to a not yet famous person about their television interest and then make them read a television pilot I hastily wrote for them with the hopes of catching the eyes of the president of television. It's available on most major podcast platforms, or you can find out more directly at iwroteyouapilot.podbean.com. Hey, Jack. Hey, uh, Josh. How's it going? <laughs> so uh, tell me about the sketch. Tell me about this uh, guy's night in. This sketch comes from kind of like that young man with a girlfriend nervous about ever expressing um, expressing his actual affection towards his girlfriend in front of his guy friends. Yeah. Kind of the crux of the joke. Uh, when was this written? Maybe four years ago. Was yeah. it ever performed? 
It was not this version. I, I did redraft it a couple of times to be much like it's shorter, but yeah, right. we did perform. You, you I mean, you said as we were, you know, emailing back and forth, this was like the legit first, first draft. So yeah, but, like, how did it change? Like as you got closer to the stage? Um, it, well, it, it got shorter for sure. Mm-hmm. So probably lost a couple of pages off. The whole beginning part was like, <laughs> I'm reading it again. It's like so random and there's like no, just like weird off game jokes that aren't even funny. So those all got cut. So we get into the game of like, um, I think the sketch in the end starts with him on, no, it starts on the moment this time. Yeah. That, that whole kind of intermediary period between the first call and the second call is like much shorter. That's one of the biggest changes. And then there's just, it becomes like, it ended up being a lot more farcy in that, like there was a lot more repetitive language and like repetitive actions and things like that. Yeah. I remember like, it wasn't necessarily like one of my first sketches, but like I had a sketch for um, the show that we did down here in, in Philly called Iron Sketch, where it was like, it took the trope of the the TV show Iron Chef, yeah. where you had like a, a main ingredient they'd use. So for us, for sketch comedians, it was a prop. Oh, cool. um, and then you were randomly assigned a team and, a, you know, a director. And I brought this one sketch and I really loved it. And my director was like, yeah, this is, this is I get it. Yeah, but we're cutting the first page and a half. You don't need any of this. And I was like, wait, what? (laughs) Like, and then we did. I was like, oh, yeah, I didn't need any of that. Like, yeah, that's one of the biggest learnings. eh? Like when you first start writing, it's it's so much build up, so much unnecessary dialogue in the beginning. Yeah, you don't necessarily need to, like, establish the relationship of your character. Yeah, exactly. Like people in the audience will assume that they're friends or, you know, romantic partners, you know, whatever. Yeah, you can like, show that physically, like based on how you're sitting and addressing each other. And things yeah, like it, that. It, you can do it much quicker than the page and a half that I was trying to do. Yeah, same. Uh, <laughs> so how did it go when it was originally performed? It actually went pretty well. Like it, I didn't, it wasn't like, I didn't perform it like close to when I wrote it. It wasn't, this is one that I came back to much later. Mm-hmm. So I was like better at performing and writing by the time I did perform it. So it went pretty well. And I actually did play guy i just read for will pretty sure we had a cool stage we we performed it actually in new york when i, I was i used to live in new york oh I performed it at like a random theater that we had rented and it had a cool backstage and we like where you she could like pop out to the side i don't know if you've been to the pit theater in new york is like that where there's okay like, yeah yeah you know they had like that wall the, the, i just like, like the middle back. section and like the wings yeah. coming out yeah and we had a smoke machine back there for like the ending part. So like <laughs> pop out with like, yeah. And like, she would just kind of pop her head out for the calls, like for um, with Katie and then pop back in. And then each time getting more frazzled. And then the last time there's smoke coming out. Made nice. a bit of a production of it and had like all those spot. We had lighting cues, like with the spotlights on each side, switching back and forth. So the production value definitely helped it. helped it along. Yeah. Perfect. For sure. And like having a smoke machine for a sketch that, you know, talked about fire at the end of it. Yeah. is definitely yeah. bonus points for sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh, let's go back to the beginning. Do you have like an earliest memory of comedy? Like what, what, what were you into growing up? Definitely like the typical thing, SNL, you know, I was mm-hmm. obsessed with SNL, especially as a teenager, like a young teenager, kind of like 12, 13, 14. I used to like stay up every Saturday and 
it was late, right? It was at like, it's like, it is still, I guess, at 1130. Yeah. One. So, um, yeah, I used, that was probably my earliest. I didn't even know they were sketches and stuff, you know, like I didn't clock that. I just liked it. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's sketch like SNL isn't sketch comedy. If you don't know what sketch comedy is, it's yeah, just exactly. funny things. It was comedy. Yeah. It's just funny stuff. Um, that's probably my earliest memory of being really into something related to comedy because uh, I guess before that like when you're a kid you don't really have a sense of like your comedic yeah taste yet so you're was, just happy to watch whatever what you're allowed to watch yeah uh, on the Simpsons like great because you know when I was a teenager first getting into SNL like I always my goal was always to like make it to the musical guest like because I, I knew I was going to fall asleep. So like I like pushed hard to make it to the musical guest or we can update. Like those were my like benchmarks for the night. Like it was a successful night. Did you ever tape it? Oh, I taped all of them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah like, yeah. Uh, yeah. Basically, like, maybe from like my age, like 12 to 16, I think I taped pretty much every episode. Like, yeah. Um, so yeah, if I could get to the musical guest, yeah live that'd be great. great i'll watch the rest of it later watch the rest. yeah yeah i for sure if i couldn't make it i for sure taped it or like um pvr or whatever i think by the time i was watching it we've already might have had the digital taping system that made it very easy or like oh, at okay. some point while i was watching snl as a kid i went over from tapes to then it was great yeah oh no i was all vhs and i didn't have cable so like i was like you know, rabbit ears antenna and the quality of the picture was always yeah. subpar for me. So, so I'm sure if I ever like found those tapes in whatever box at my parents' house, like they're not even worthwhile anymore. Yeah. Um, I ask everybody, uh, even the people that don't bring it up right away, uh, SNL cast member, who's your favorite all time? I don't know. I don't really have a great answer for that. Like I've thought about it for sure. Everybody talks about like, I've heard a quote, Lauren Michael saying, the, your favorite cast or your favorite time of SNL is always the, the best time of SNL is always like when, whenever you were 13. So, yeah. like the 13 year olds now are probably going to be saying, like, well, if they watch it, um, they're probably going to be saying whatever who's on now. But I don't know. I mean, like, I, I don't have a great answer. I really like Beck Bennett. Like, even though he's new, I really like him. He, he's interesting to me. Um, and we can dissect him a little bit. I don't like his stuff with Kyle Mooney. Because it's, it's, yeah, like... The for the most part. Like, his, like their yeah. video work was was too weird for me. Too weird, yeah. But, like, him in sketches was fantastic. Amazing. Like, yeah. the the baby boss that he had, that character, like... Yeah. So when he was let go from the show this year, it was honestly surprising, like, as no. much as a, a show like that has, like, too many white dudes to begin with, like... I'm surprised yeah. he was the one that was gone instead of someone else. I feel like he must have chosen to leave, right? I'm hoping that he's in some kind of project that we just haven't heard about yet. Yeah, like, because I haven't heard anything from him. And I was always surprised that he wasn't like more of a star, getting more work, like even at his time there. I I just thought he was like always actually a really strong actor, which I really appreciate that in sketch comedy when people kind of commit to the emotional mm-hmm. aspects of the character when it's important. And he just always finds a way to make it funny. It's just like a natural 
Yeah, he, I, I thought he had a really good career. I'm I'm curious to see what he does next. Like, I remember when he was hired for the show, like he was also doing like eight, ugh, maybe it was 18T. Like he was doing some kind of commercial. Like he had yeah, like, a recurring commercial. So when he showed up that first week, I was like, oh, that's that commercial guy. Yeah. Cool. Good for him. Like, yeah. Because I didn't know that. that what the good neighbor or whatever it was like his team beforehand. Yeah. I used to follow Good Neighbor before he even got on SNL, so maybe that's why I have a soft. So, spot so you have a full like, yeah, history of him too. Nice. Yeah, I was just like in high school, I guess, and he was on Good Neighbor. He was like one of the early YouTube comedy people that I followed, and it was kind of new, and people didn't really know what it was. And then all of a sudden, he's on SNL, and I didn't realize that he had like enough of a following for that to happen. It was weird to just see him on TV all of a sudden. Um, that was exciting. But Kyle, I felt like was funnier on Good Neighbor and in SNL. So, sometimes I feel like they don't use him right. And he just, he's weird. Like he needs to right. do stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't, I can appreciate weird, but like that, like those bad acting, like sitcom things that they used to do. Yes. Just was, isn't good. my cup of tea. Yeah. Yeah. I was used to have an improv. Te- I had an improv teacher one time who used to say that, um ironic non-acting is just bad acting <laughs> and i that always stuck with me and i was like true okay i'm gonna do yeah, that like yeah you can make bad acting the joke sometimes but it's kind of but know. at a certain point it's like all right whatever like yeah you're 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 being paid hundreds of thousand dollars here like yeah yeah you're just like yeah do it for real this time yeah so, okay, you mentioned improv. So what came first for you as you started to pursue comedy? What, not improv, actually. But um, what came first for me was weirdly producing. Like, How's that? I, yeah, it's really strange. Um, I, my girlfriend at the time, who is now my fiance, um, it, what, is an actor. She's, um, and so we were, we started producing plays together when we were young, like in college, we started producing like this, we produced a school play at my university um, okay. and she directed it and I produced it and I was in visual art. Um, so I painted like the set and the backdrops and designed the marketing materials and stuff like that. That was like my first foray into live theater, comedy, anything. And then at some point we set up a one of our friends who was involved wanted to put set up a sketch show to like raise, uh, just like to throw a party and raise awareness for like our, our new play company, like our theater company. Okay. So then I participated in the producing of that too, just for fun. And when I watched it, I was like, this is so cool. Like <laughs> I absolutely loved it. It was just like a sketch show, like a sketch review, an hour long, like 10 sketches or 12 sketches or something. And so then the next one, I started writing it and acting in it. Um, so And this is all at university? Yeah, and shortly and afterwards. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the, for the first couple of plays, I, we produced a, a couple of plays around at university and then one more after. And then we did a sketch show even later than that. Um, yeah. So I was like in my mid-20s, probably by the first time I did a sketch, like 26 or something. Um, so, I mean... What is the, what's your impetus to get into producing versus 
performing like was it out of necessity did you not want to like like I guess I was just nervous like especially for dramatic plays like I hadn't had any acting training at the time and like the idea of performing was like very nerve-wracking to me but I liked the theater I, I'd always grew up going to tons of plays and comedy shows and things like that and I really enjoyed being a part of it in any way so doing marketing or backdrops or whatever it was just fun but I didn't ever consider performing until I saw live sketch comedy. Like I said, I'd obviously been watching SNL my whole life, but I, that was, you know, TV and it was different. I had yeah. never actually seen a sketch show in person um, until then. And I just thought it was like the, the most exciting looking thing ever. So I just started doing it. Yeah. Yeah. I had that thing. I had a similar thing where, you know, growing up being an SNL fan, I, and being the nerd that like read the books and stuff about it i knew about like second city in chicago groundlings in la and used to be rising in new york so i assumed that like if i wanted to do anything i'd have to move to one of those cities like that that there was nothing in philadelphia so when i found out that there were actually like things happening in philly it was you know almost like a sense of relief of like oh I mean, yeah. and then it still took me like two years to actually sign up and start doing stuff. But like, yeah, knowing that it's here. Yeah, is a really awesome feeling. Yeah, it's, it is really nice. And I, I feel like a lot of cities are hanging on to their sketch schools or improv schools, just hanging on by a thread. And now, especially after COVID, it's like precarious, even in Toronto here, um, yeah. where we used to have a they're coming back now, but there used to be a, a lot more comedy theaters and a, a couple closed down over the pandemic and it's kind of stressful. Yeah. Oh, it's very stressful here in Philadelphia because there is. Yeah. Because it's like, there's one or two and like, if they both close, it's done. But and they did. <laughs> and yeah. here in Philly, they did. So. <laughs> Sucks. Yeah. So we're like, we're very slowly rebuilding down here. What was it about that first sketch show? Like that finally like flip that switch where you wanted to participate on yeah, stage yeah. or more creatively for the material i guess it was just like it went well luckily so like that was probably pretty pivotal like pretty important in that pivotal moment was that the show went really well and the energy in the room was like electric you know it was like packed house and mm. people were just down to have fun and we had like a bar going so people were like drinking and and you know like enjoying themselves before and after the show outside the context of the show which was nice so there was like a big like a solid energy there I don't know like it was just like the energy in the room I was like I want to be a part of that I can't really I don't really know why I just did it and then what really changed was when I first got on stage in front of a big audience and like landed a couple of jokes the first time ever get a big laugh and then I remember I walked off stage and I was like, wow, like that's, yeah. the, that's the real deal right there, you know? Yeah, because I'm, I'm sure like when you're helping produce, you know, shows in college, there's a, a sense of satisfaction of yeah. a good run, you know, yeah. tickets sell, people enjoying themselves. But it's vastly different when they're laughing at your performance, like yes with something that you've done well like yeah it's a completely different drug it's a completely different high it's a drug truly yeah it's impossible to explain it even like until it happens you're like okay i get why 
these people are obsessed with this. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So let's um, tiptoe our way. Like, so this sketch review that the, I'm assuming that it's the college performers put together. You take part of it later. Yeah. Not even college. We were just, just, just friends. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. okay. So no college affiliation at this point. Yeah. Um, so does that group stay together? Do you continue to work as like, a, yeah. a big sketch review for a while yeah we did for a while we we would put on we put on one we put on two plays that were not sketch over the course of two years and we put on a sketch review live sketch review maybe we did like three nights show every three months maybe and like try to do little things in other places but yeah we would do that like every three months together what was this called? Like where, and where were you performing? This was called the, the troupe or the theater company it was called wrong house. Okay. And we were in New York. Um, my girlfriend was going to studying, she was studying uh, acting at Stella Adler. It's a conservatory in New York. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, that's when we met most of the other collaborators. So sub, a subset of these conservatory actors were also into comedy. Are you originally like, I'm originally from Toronto. Okay. Yeah. So we, we just moved there for her to a school and I just got a job and got a work visa. Gotcha. Okay. So, yeah. okay. So you are Toronto hanging yeah. out in America. Yeah. Doing exactly. real people work and yes. while she and studies and company. doing some, okay. Um, yeah. So Raw House in New York City, how long does, does that last before you either, before the next step? uh that lasted for a couple years we also started doing like film sketches during that time started learning about like filmmaking and like yeah that's it filmmaking for sketches (laughs) um uh, so that lasts about two years before um my girlfriend's school ends and one year of her post school uh student visa is up and then we we had to move back to toronto like that so that's how that ended so like growing up in toronto and i mean you mentioned like going to shows and stuff did you notice a difference between and it's gonna be hard to say because i know american culture permeates upward way more than canadian comes down did you notice a difference between like a, a canadian sense of humor versus an american sense of humor especially as you start performing mm-hmm. with yeah, that- yeah. Presumably a, a bunch of Americans. Yeah, there's definitely a difference. I mean, there's a huge amount of overlap, obviously. Like if something's funny, like really truly funny, it's pretty much funny to everybody. But there is a difference in like so for sure social humor. Like uh Canadians are a bit more like dry and sarcastic mm. and like mean, like in a funny way, but like the humor is more like that. And then I found at least that my American friends were like not as much like that, like more like um, loud and boisterous and slapstick and things like that. Like that was more what I was seeing from my American friends, but like overall it's pretty similar. Just like if I had to say there was a difference, your, your average Canadian joke is going to be more dry and sarcastic. It's interesting that you, that you categorize Canadians that like Canadian humor, or at least, what you see of it as mean 
Yeah, I would say a lot of it is, especially socially. Maybe, maybe I'm not sure about how Canadian humor is represented in the media, but yeah. Not mean, mean's maybe the wrong word, but just like poking fun is a bigger part of it, I feel like, or criticizing or, yeah. Well, I guess on one hand that makes sense because like a, a huge chunk of like, SCTV, for example, like, you know, one of the biggest Canadian shows ever is yeah. like, is making fun. Like, yes, that's, of, yeah, that's a quite a critical of, of the front, like tropes and stuff. Like the idea of like Martin Short playing um, Mr. Rogers in a boxing ring. Like, yeah, I guess yeah. there is a little bit of meanness to it. Cause I don't, I don't think Mr. Rogers enjoyed Martin Short's impression of him. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, true. Um, yeah, that was a big old Canadian show, and that there was definitely an edge to that show. Yeah, yeah. Where I, and I think that like maybe there's a perception of like with Americans going like, "Oh, this is too mean." Like, yeah, like don't like with certain things. Like, I remember you know Comedy Central used to do the roasts, and there are jokes that get, that get leaked out after the fact that they cut because they're too mean. Like. Yeah. And people, you know, bristle at them, like, I guess. Yeah. We saw a big old bristle at the Oscars, eh? <laughs> <laughs> that was such a, like, a bizarre thing to... Yeah, so I didn't watch it live. I didn't see it live. Um, I was visiting with friends, and we were watching something else. And then the next morning... Well, th- that weekend was weird because, like... Uh, Taylor from Food Fighters passed away and I didn't because we were hanging out I didn't hear about it until like the next morning and then the next morning I didn't hear about the Oscars until the next morning so it was just like I've never felt like further behind in the world of news yeah. ever yeah and then you go on Twitter or something and it's every yeah I'm just like scrolling like what's happening what's going on here yeah wait Will Smith that yeah. Will Smith like after a couple years in New York City uh you head back to toronto your visas are up and do you resume the your comedy career pretty quickly when you get to toronto yeah see now we're we're getting close to the beginning of the pandemic <laughs> like weirdly so okay. yeah I, did. I moved back probably i kept a foot in both cities too so i just kept my job in new york and was working remotely in toronto Oh, so okay. Come back to and fro, and then by that point we had a standing show at the pit. Um, so we were performing like I want to say monthly. Okay. So at the pit as wrong house or as wrong house, yeah. Oh wait, um, have I been saying it wrong? Wrong. Wrong house, yeah. Okay, I, I keep saying raw. Sorry. Oh, okay, okay. No, <laughs> no worries. Um. Yeah, we had a monthly show. Raw House is not a bad name, though. But <laughs> that's what I, like, when you said yeah. that, I was like, all right, that's not a bad name. Like yeah, that. yeah. <laughs> um, we were performing monthly, roughly at the pit. I think, yeah, I think we actually, no, exactly monthly for a few months, maybe four or five months before, and then moved back, and then did a couple more shows in New York while I was living in Toronto to just fly back and stay for a couple of weeks. My sister lived there, so I could stay with her. And then that is now December, 2018. It's the last time. And then at the same time, we're starting to get things set up in Toronto. So there was okay. a bit of like an overlap. 
And then um, I formed a new troupe here in Toronto around there. Yeah, started picking things back up. What's this new troupe in Toronto? We're, this is a, this is a cheap one. Yeah. Okay, so, that, yeah. all right, so let's talk about how do you, what, what's the start of cheap wine for you? Um, we had, there was like a big sketch competition in Toronto that January of 2019 called sketch to the death. Okay. And it was like a battle of the bands type thing where every week, you know, like eight, every show, like eight troops go up and perform, uh, five to seven minutes and then the audience votes and then, you know, a couple go through for each round that type of thing. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. It was like, actually is it- so is it like a full tournament where like you like whittled down from eight to four to t- like that kind of thing? Or do yeah. new teams enter every week? No, just it, just it whittles right. down. Okay. So it started with, let's say 64 sounds right, but maybe it was more, maybe 70 or 80 teams. And then each round, like a quarter of the teams would go through. Okay. And so I wanted to do that. And I was like, oh, I don't have anybody to do this with. Um, and that's how I formed. So then I just asked, well, it was my girlfriend is one of them. <laughs> and then my sister is the other, who's also an actor. Okay. So that's the other member of Cheap Wine. And I was like, yeah, I just want to just get something together. I can write a few sketches real quick and we can try to do this thing. And then we, we had, didn't have any material. We didn't have any sketches and we kind of scrambled to write some stuff. And I had a couple sketches in the bag that were good for two or three people. And we got through the first round and then we had one week to write two new sketches and we did it and rehearsed them and got through the second round and we went all the way to the finals and then won the best newcomer award. So that was our, wow. that was our genesis as a troop. You say that it's roughly like 60, 70 people, 60, 70 troops start. So how many times do you perform throughout the, the course of the, of sketch to the death to make it to the finals? I guess it was four times. Okay. They not a lot of teams went through each time because they whittled it down fast. Sure. Like you probably whittle yeah. from like 64 to 816, maybe like just 16, something like that. Maybe you whittled down 64 down to 16 and then eight and then four or something okay. like that. Yeah. It's still like, something like that. It probably wasn't precise, but four or five rounds. The final would finals would have been like the fourth or fifth performance i mean the fact that like it starts with that many different troops like there yeah. is a bit of impressive to it and like uh as as a you know as weird as it might be to like be competitive about yeah i know sketch comedy like it does have to feel pretty cool to make it yeah it was to great. the finals <laughs> yeah and we had like no expectations we were kind of just winging it and it felt really good yeah it was like oh this is working like people are responding to this so yeah, it's good to get that kind of uh, affirmation right off the top for us. But I agree, the competitive thing is strange in comedy. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I mentioned Iron Sketch here in, in the city, and that was a competitive show where theoretically yeah. you won and you moved on to a, a future round two. Yeah. Yeah. I did not win <laughs> ever. <laughs> I did it multiple times, um, but that's okay. I still really enjoyed the sketches I wrote for it. Yeah. And it's still uh, fun anyway. Like, even if you don't, I mean, we didn't win the whole thing and not, you know, obviously, but um, even when you get knocked out, it was like, it's just fun to be in that kind of environment where you're seeing a ton of troops do stuff, do their best stuff. And like, 
put it all on the line for like this this prize. Now fun. you mentioned that you had like a week to write new stuff. Did you have to come with new material every round? We did, we did not have to. We didn't realize that until after the second round, though. So after the second round, the organizers like, you know, you guys don't have to like bring new stuff each time. <laughs> and then um, we were like, or I was after the third round. That was mm-hmm. we saw some other troop bring back an old sketch after the third round. Gotcha. And then they were like, you don't have to bring back new stuff every time. Would we realize? But by that time, we had already written like all these sketches, so we just didn't just kept going. Just kept doing it. Yeah. All right. I'm curious. Uh, here in Philadelphia, we have a run of there's a lot of husband and wife duos. Like it's it's become like a thing uh, <laughs> over the last couple of years. Uh, so I'm always curious about people who work with their romantic partner mm-hmm. and also a family member. Yeah. Like sibling teams to me are also weird. Yeah. Romantic partner teams are also weird. You have both. Very weird. In cheap wine. <laughs> I know. So I have to ask, what is it like r- writing, performing, and working with both romantic partner and sibling? Yeah, it's definitely weird. Like, I'm not going to deny it. I always think about how this must look to other people. And like, we're not like, we want to make a family team. It was just a coincidence that, that not a coincidence, but like, it was just, we didn't think they were there. They were available. Yeah. And they wanted to do it. And I needed, we needed a team to do it. We all were down to do it. And then it went well, but yeah, like for sure it's odd because the familiarity of those relationships can lead to like difficult moments in rehearsal when we're trying to give notes to each other. Mm. And if it's just like some person you do sketch with or a friend, you like know how to take those notes, like, and get with, without like, let's put it this way. When your sister tells you to do something in rehearsal, it's easy to say, fuck off. You know? <laughs> like, Oh, I, I've, I've heard yeah. this. There's a, there's a duo in North Carolina called Unstoppable Failure who are going up to Montreal next week and they are brothers. And I have heard very much one of them saying to the other one to fuck off. Like, yeah, so. Exactly. so there's that, that you have to get over. And I mean, same with romantic partners this is the exact same issue. Like it's hard to give notes to your romantic partner, but like, it would be funnier if you did it this way. And they're like, Oh, what? <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> So it definitely started on a bit more tentative footing, but we've kind of, we're in a rhythm now about it and it doesn't, we have developed a, I would say like a healthy way of working together where it feels quite supportive. So we've moved past that part where we, you have to just bring like a a professionalism to it as if they weren't your sister and your partner. Um, You just have to, you have to like remind yourself of that. But I think now it's actually really beneficial because what we were talking about earlier, competitiveness and comedy between teams is odd, but within teams, like there is always competitiveness. Like mm-hmm. people, I always notice that with the larger team, like wrong house. And you can even feel it on SNL and the way they do interviews and talk about things. Like there's a lot of competitiveness between performers. Oh, absolutely. Ba- back in my first team, 10 years ago, if someone's sketch got in, got voted in and mine didn't, yeah oh totally that show was dead to me like yeah. oh yeah I know for exactly. a good chunk until i was like involved absolutely yeah i know exactly how you feel and if you feel like 
it's your moment in a sketch and someone upstages you with like a big unexpected thing. And you're like, there's just, there is that. And so when working with them, we, I feel like there's almost no competitiveness between us. It feels very collaborative. Um, we're very different types too, which helps like in terms of our performance styles and writing styles and things like that. But mm-hmm. like, we all really do truly want the best for each other. So that aspect of like our team made, like the teamwork is, is strong, I would say. So that's the flip side. The benefit of working with people that you really, really care about and are on the same page as. So I'm trying to think of like the timeline basically of like how long did that uh, sketch of the death competition last? Like that when roughly was the, when was the finals? Basically in comparison to when lockdown starts. The finals was probably like end of February. Of 2020? Yeah. Okay. So. Yeah. So February, February, yeah. February, March, uh, January, February of 2020 was the competition. So, and then um, we had, we generated a bit of. Oh, so it wasn't even that long of a competition. It was, it was just over the course of like two months. Yeah. Yeah. Like I was like every. For whatever reason, when you say like 64 teams, I kind of expected it to have lasted, you know five or six months like oh they did it pretty fast so it was like the first couple weekends were like two shows both weekend nights with like eight teams or six teams or whatever in each show and then it was every weekend they did one or two show at least two shows every weekend so it, it got through it in not even two months so there truly was like a time crunch of like generating new, new material then like yeah we never had more than it was usually a week or two weeks between wow. the show and we would generate, you know, five to 10 minutes of new material every week or two. For that. Wow. Okay. So February, 2020, 2020. sketch yeah. of the death. You guys make the finals. Y'all make the finals. Um, and then the world stops. Like yeah. a month later. Yeah. We did a couple of shows that we got invited to based on people we met and sketch to the death. We're producing mm-hmm. shows. And then we did a few other shows and we had a couple more lined up we were actually in a theater doing like our tech rehearsal the day that at the moment that the government of ontario or canada i guess whoever made the call at that time like shut everything down we were in a theater doing a tech rehearsal that's so wild (laughs) yeah because i think the first time i heard of cheap wine like was probably the next year at toronto's film festival yeah the to sketch fest um you had a couple videos and yeah like in there how was the the pivot to film for you like where you were doing you know you were getting some kind of momentum on stage and live performance and then there's no other option but to do some kind of filmed work so Exactly. Yeah. There was no other option, but I also love the filmmaking stuff. Like I said, I mentioned in New York, we did some filmmaking. We did one of our sketch reviews was like a digital review actually. So we shot like an hour of sketches and played that in like a event space. Mm -hmm. So I was really into it, but there was fewer opportunities to do it and I didn't have all the skills necessary or anything like that. So the first thing I did as soon as the pandemic started I bought a course for Adobe Premiere and spent two weeks 
learning how to use Adobe Premiere and properly edit hmm. uh, movies. That was like the very first thing I did and got some more film equipment. And we started shooting sketches like that first in the first few weeks right away. Yeah. I so, was like, I'm doing, I'm taking advantage of this time. Like I've never had time to do this. I, I think it's great. Like I, I don't think, I don't think a lot of the Philly teams were that proactive about like, yeah, let's, you know, let's do live. Let's, let's, let's yeah. get on video. Let's do that more. Let's, um, you know, maybe to our detriment, like, so now that we're back into the live space, have you been performing live now that Ontario's lifted a bit? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we have, we've probably performed, we just did a show on Saturday. That was our fourth show this month. So not bad, like one, one a week for oh, wow. April. And that's it though. I mean, things just opened up. Yeah. So, um, we've done, we've literally done four shows since things opened up just over a month ago. How does it feel getting your sea legs back and getting feels good. on stage? Yeah, it feels good. It feels <laughs> really good. Um, we put up a new sketch on Saturday too, and it went well. And that I feel like, especially that brand new sketch that did go well on Saturday, like that was when I started to feel confident again, I think was like on Saturday night, started to feel really confident. Cause the first few shows I was super nervous, like really excessively nervous. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah, getting back on stage after two plus years of yeah. not being able to, like, I, yeah, I still haven't like fully gotten back on stage to do something. So, like, I'm sure that first time I'm going to screw something up and, like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, oh, but yeah. At, the, and at the same time, like, all those like thumbs up and hearts that you get from videos and, you know, social media for the work that you've put up online mm-hmm. isn't the same as no. a laugh in a room yeah, with real funny. people. No, it's not the same at all. It's, I, I love both for very different reasons. The only, yeah, the only similarity between live sketch and film sketch is like the, that you write and act it, but like everything else is different. Yeah. Yeah. So Cheap Wine is going to Montreal this week. Uh, for people who have never seen Cheap Wine, how would you describe a Cheap Wine show? That's hard. Yeah. <laughs> That's like a. Have you, have you noticed a voice emerging yeah, from voice? I just liken that to asking someone if they know what their what their mannerisms are. It's like I don't know. Like other, <laughs> um, I would say it's um, well because Jessica and Charlotte are both conservatory trained actors, and like that's their profession primarily is acting. Um, I would say like I would describe the show as like tight tightly acted tightly performed especially because of them so that's like a characteristic that i'm proud of at least with our troupe like tightly acted well acted um for me i usually play more goofy characters because i'm more just a comedian and less of a trained actor i'd say our style is like very zany like very like zany social situations I guess hard to pin it down. <laughs> I mean, I have a sketch where I come out on stage as a spider wearing balloons as legs. So I don't know how you describe that, but it's certainly weird. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, like for some reason, I was thinking like, oh no, like orbital, clowns. like balloons, not like the long, the long ones balloons that, that would make sense to be a spider. Like yeah, the ones that you would buy to make balloon animals, <laughs> but they just left straight. Yeah, 
that was just the moment of dumbness where I was just like, yeah, wait, what? Balloons? That doesn't make me spider. Yeah. Like balloons floating <laughs> up around me. Like. You said earlier about doing improv. Like, so what was your experience of taking improv on? I, I've, I haven't done a ton of improv. I've taken like the second, we have second city here in Toronto. Mm-hmm. So I've taken, um, almost all their improv levels and then the pandemic hit like just as I was about to finish the last level so that's all I've done improv wise is like the classes classes. yeah did you take it more for the to learn improv or like did you use it to like to better your skills in writing and performing like what was the I'd say all the above but like I definitely took it I was just interested in learning it i liked always liked watching it um i was interested in learning it i was interested in improving my writing skills which i certainly did um and that's why i started it but after like the first level i was like oh this is just fucking awesome like it was just fun so (laughs) i kept doing it but i did originally take it yeah more to like improve my writing but that's not why i kept taking it do you see like do you see finishing up the the course and trying to get to like conservatory and stuff yeah, yeah, for sure. Something like that. Continue to take it and try to get to the point. I, at the very least, I just want to get to the point where I can get comfortably go to like an improv jam and get on stage and do it and not have a panic attack. Yeah, I'd like well, to get I'm, to that point. Do you think that, that the classes are going to help that like more than just doing it? Yeah, I, I mean, I would probably just finish the second city levels. Like I just had one more out of five. Okay. I don't think I don't have any plans to go to the conservatory. Okay. Just at least I need to get one more class under my belt now that in person's open and then I'll try to go on stage. Gotcha. Yeah. But it's been two years. So I need like the safety of a classroom just at least to get my, my legs back. Yeah. I always say that like sketch writing classes are good to like push your, push you towards like deadlines and doing it where I, I, yeah, I see classes are great for, getting up and getting a couple of trial runs in for sure. Yeah. That's how I'm thinking of it. Get a couple uh, of I suppose I could just go to like open, open classes or like really low stakes, open mics, but even that feels nerve wracking to me. Um, so you're traveling to Montreal. I, I feel like, I mean, you did three years or so in New York city and now you're back in Toronto. Is this the first time chief wines perform like traveling to perform together? Yeah, it is. How exciting is that? Like, it's very exciting. Yeah, we're re- yeah, I'm really excited about it. <laughs> um, like we're just doing a 20 minute set on the opening night there, but it, I don't know, it feels like a, it just feels like the f- it's more than just like traveling to perform and you know out of context. It's really exciting in the context of the pandemic just ended and now we're going to have hundreds of comedians converging on Montreal and doing something that hasn't been done in years in Canada and that's like super exciting I feel like if this all goes well um there's going to be like an energy coming out of it that could propel us into back into you know into gear yeah I'm extraordinarily jealous that I won't be like for any part of Montreal like because like, and then going through the lineup at Montreal, like every night has a team I know really, and, and love and like, it, it's wow. a stacked lineup of, you know, 
just yeah it's pretty fantastic and you know the teams like from new york or toronto you like, yeah um milwaukee's performed for philly sketch fest uh yeah. i actually was up in toronto the weekend before the pandemic started to see to sketch fest oh yeah I, I was there that cool. last weekend i was there too and um basically yeah i step off the plane i come home unpack and everything's locked down like yeah. it, it was a wild it was a great last weekend of freedom for sure this was so great that's another like that was that's another why i'm excited for montreal because of that like coming from new york there's no sketch fest like that in new york at all like not even close to what i was surprised when i came back to toronto and like T.O. Sketchfest is like a big ordeal. They had five stages, two weeks, like dozens of shows. And like a lot of the shows were sold out. And I was so shocked because I was like, I thought, like, I thought I was leaving behind all the action. And then I got really excited about that. Um, and the pandemic hit, but like that festival was, was really inspiring for me. Like the, so like, know. did you not know that there was a scene in Toronto, like, but you know, in the time before you moved down to New York City, like no, I because I hadn't started. I started doing sketch in New York City, so I, I had just had no clue what was going on in Toronto at all. But there's a great scene here; it's amazing. It, yeah, it is. It, I love it. Um, I was really bummed that they went all virtual this year because I yeah, was me too. fully we ready to come up. <laughs> yeah, we were we were going to be in in the live one, and that was really unfortunate. It's just a while to me to think that, like, I mean, I guess I said the same thing about I didn't know that Philadelphia had a scene or had, well, I don't think Philadelphia had a scene until I was in my 20s, but like, to, to find that your hometown does do it, like, yeah, especially, so I mean, I mean, in your case, you left behind New York City to go back to Toronto. And like, it must have felt like you were leaving stuff behind. Yeah, for sure. For a while. For sure. That's definitely what it felt like. Because I didn't know anyone in Toronto. I had no, I didn't even have a clue where to start looking or anything. And you assume like New York is three times as big as Toronto. The scene will probably be at least three times as big, if not more, because New York is also like the place to go for comedy at New York or LA. Yeah. But the sketch scene here is the com- general comedy scene here is actually, it's, it's definitely smaller, but it's, better in a lot of ways because i feel like a lot of people in toronto are a lot more it's more collaborative and supportive and like a lot of people it's just a different vibe here it feels less um it feels more collaborative and supportive which i just said in a way that like (laughs) most of the shows here are one team puts on a show and they do 20 minutes or whatever and then they invite like four or five other teams and like that's how a lot of the shows here work and at least my experience in New York was that a lot of the shows at the pit and UCB were like one team goes up once a month and does their show. And that's that. And everybody has their own shows. And it's just, you don't get to know people as much and you don't get to hang out and collaborate with other comedians as much. People are more siloed. That's just how it was my experience. I don't know if that's true, but. I, I don't want to talk badly about New York. Cause I, there's a lot of people in New York that I've met that I actually really enjoy their work and stuff. Yeah. Oh yeah. But it does feel like New York for a lot of people, sketch comedy is a, is a means to an end. Like we're doing yeah, this to get to on TV, blah, blah, blah. Sure. But it also, it also feels like 
we're getting in, we're going to do our show and we're going to leave. Like there is no community to it. Like they're going to be there for the hour that they're booked to be there. And a lot of times, like we're not going to the bar afterwards. We're not going to hang out with the others afterwards. We're just going to, we're done. Like, yeah, I'm glad you feel that. Like, cause that was my experience as well. um, Generally. And like, nothing against them for using it as a means to the end as a means to an end but no, you're just, in new york city that's why you're in new yeah, york city that's why you're there but it's just yeah it's a bit less like that here um and a bit more like you said like people go to the bar after and hang out and do each other's shows and it's more of a community yeah every night that i was out for toronto sketch fest i was out until 1 30 hanging out with people after shows you know yeah. like everyone was still around it was great it was fantastic like yeah. and i hear montreal's the same way yeah i'm sure it is where's cheap wine come from where's the idea where's that name come from i'm always curious about sketch comedy names this one actually has a story um it was i don't know ages ago maybe 10 years ago we some one of my cousins me and a bunch of family members like cousins and aunts and uncles were up at like uh our family home in new brunswick that's where my my parents families come from new brunswick right. we're up like grandparents still had places out there and we were just having a big old party and someone brought a bottle of absinthe as no not absinthe um uh call it alcohol but it's like ever ever clear which is like 95 percent alcohol or something as a joke we were all kind of like around 18 thank you and someone had poured it in my sister charlotte who's on the team in her glass of wine without telling her which is an aggressive move but like not too much, just, you know, like just a bit. And she was going around complaining that like she took a sip of the wine and she was like, oh, this wine is so cheap. It's so bad. <laughs> around complaining and talking about how cheap this wine was and how shitty the wine was and never clocked. <laughs> it was just spiked with Everclear, which yeah. was fine in the end, but that's where it came from. Cheap Great. wine. I like it. It's a like, deep story. It's like, no, it's I, not a reference that anyone would ever get, but it means something to us. So and I love it. That's, yeah. that's, as long as there's a, like a, a story to it. I'm great. Tiny thread. Um, as we're winding down, uh, I asked the same two questions of everybody, like, you know, the silliness of comedy, try to get a little deeper. All right. This sketch that you brought, this first sketch, you mentioned, you know, the first draft's long, you cut it down. Definitely. So especially in the time of working with wrong house and with your fiance and your sister in cheap wine. Um, so what's something that you've learned about sketch comedy that you would pass on to a new writer? This is something that hit me the other day. When you go to write, there's the obvious advice of like, write what you think is funny. Don't write what you think an audience will think is funny. Mm-hmm. But I like to go deeper on that. I would say like, if you find something funny, really funny like a line or a character an idea and you've been laughing about it use that as a hook into a sketch um, to make yourself keep writing it I I guess it's like even if the idea is nothing if it's just a line um, or a word or you know we have a sketch where where we quote a line like my love language is blowjobs like that's a line in our one of our sketches (laughs) and that's not what the sketch is about at all but I thought that line was funny and if I put that down and make it a part of the sketch, I'll ensure that I, I know that I will finish writing that sketch because there's something in it that actually makes me laugh. Um, and otherwise, I find it very hard to write anything and finish anything 
without that hook that keeps me coming back to an idea. So I would say like find something that hooks you and actually tickles you find a way to put one of those in each sketch and then you'll, you'll always write them, you'll always finish them and you'll always be excited to perform them. There was a, a show that I did a couple of years ago where like in the, the pitch room, the writer's room, one of the dudes brought up a line and we all loved it. And I was like, Oh yeah, that, that's hilarious. Like it was just like a throwaway line that he had in his notebook. And he's like, yeah, I haven't figured out where to put this yet. And somehow, like in the course of writing the sketch, it that line got into a sketch that it doesn't fit in, said by someone who did it differently, yeah. and it lost all its power yeah, and magic. Its, yeah. Like that was one yeah. of my big regrets of that show. I was just like, oh, it's such a funny line that we just threw away. Like, away, yeah. yeah. At the same time, I don't remember what the line is now, so. Yeah. So I guess that's the flip side. I mean, it might not <laughs> work out, but I find if there's at least one funny line that I love or one, even just a concept or just like an idea. Yeah. Even if this guy isn't built around it, if it's in there somehow, um, it's somewhere to start and somewhere to keep coming back, you know, some little nugget to hold on to for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Rather than trying to think of stuff that's clever or that people will like or whatever and start from there. That's, I find it impossible to start from that place of like, what's a clever idea that people will like it's never going to work for me and then uh finally uh starting on the production side doing plays and stuff and then helping produce a sketch review to being like oh i want to do this to you know wrong house in new york city moving back to toronto starting cheap wine getting your on the ground as a team performing live to having it snatched away by the pandemic to do pivoting the video back to live again yeah. as why why has comedy been such a big part of the last five ten years of your life i don't know i guess i just love doing it that's the only explanation i have like i, I think there's something like when there's something therapeutic about getting that big, big laugh, being in the audience or on stage, but like when you could get people to laugh that hard, it's like just so good for the soul mm. on both sides. I guess I just like that feeling. Um, yeah. But like beyond that, I the challenge of it, I thoroughly enjoy writing and rehearsing sketches. You know, the challenge of it is interesting to me, like not in the way that the challenge of like my regular day job is like it it's just feels like more rewarding and better than anything else i've ever done yeah i mean like i mean the challenge of writing and rehearsing like always wanting to make something better always wanting to make something funnier always making one other make other people laugh more like yeah a great challenge to have for sure yeah yeah it is it's 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 yeah, I don't know. I don't want to say it. Yeah, it's fairly. I won't say it's a noble pursuit, but like, it feels more authentic than a lot of the things I've found myself doing in my life. So, there's a bit of nobility in that. That get then. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Jack. Thanks.
You can follow Cheap Wine on Instagram at It's Cheap Wine and on Facebook at Facebook.com slash It's Cheap Wine. Cheap Wine is performing at Montreal Sketch Fest, their opening night, along with Milwaukee, Bring Your Own Juice, Third Husbands, and Dreamboat. Thursday, May 5th, 8 p.m. at Theatre St. Catherine. Tickets are available at MontrealSketchFest.com. All the other information and the lineup for the rest of the festival is there as well, obviously. My First Sketch is a Philly Sketchfest production. You can find out more information at phillysketchfest.com. Follow Philly Sketchfest on Instagram at phillysketchfest. The music on this episode is by the band Nono, which you can check out at nonoband.bandcamp.com. Like My First Sketch on Facebook, follow the show on Twitter, rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. This is Josh Hyam. Thanks for listening. Go see some comedy.